The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, Colin, how you doing? I'm real good, real good. I'm uh, excited to see my uh, my boy, uh, Drew Locke, take some snaps, my my statuesque, feathered, brown hair, beautiful, blue-eyed angel. Throw some passes. What are you talking about? Matty Mock's our starting quarterback. <laughs> Have you not heard the news? There's news? Yes, Matty Mock's a huge cokehead. Well, that's not really news. Okay, uh, yeah, no. But, uh, You're not telling the, me new uh, things. Apparently, apparently now the coaching staff knows. Oh. So he's suspended for this game. And, that, and in all honesty, we don't know that it's cocaine. We can only assume it's cocaine. Right. But, uh, Gary Pinkle has suspended him. Right, for what we assume, with great, great reason, is for cocaine reasons. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Well, so, yeah. Well, Colin, you know, uh, we do a preview show usually, and uh, I do some interviews, and, and I interviewed Joe Waljasper from the Columbia News Tribune, but I did it about an hour before this goddamn news broke. So it's You're a, both idiots then. Yeah. Well, we, we appear idiots if you listen to it, but it is yeah. interesting to hear Joe's perspective on who should start uh, mm-hmm. without well, Joe's knowing. Joe's a smart man. He, and he is indeed. And so uh, you'll hear what he thinks should be the reason for Drew Locke starting. And I can only assume he agrees with me about who should be starting a quarterback. I mean, I'll let the listeners listen to the interview, but Joe is an intelligent, intelligent man, so I can only assume he agrees with me. I'm glad you're making that bold assumption since the interview <laughs> is in the future and there's no way that you could know what he said. Absolutely not. Absolutely right. not. Sure. And then uh, after that, we also have had uh, David Cloninger join us. Now, he joined us uh, just today, today being Wednesday, and so uh, he knew about the Drew Locke situation. We talked a little bit about that with him and how that affects the South Carolina game. So that'll Yeah, be- I mean, if, I, if I'm a Carolina fan right now, I'm kind of upset, honestly. I'm like, I don't know what Drew Locke is, but I know what Matty Mock was, and I definitely wanted to play him. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're going to miss you some Mock gonna miss those you know your defensive backs getting at least two interceptions i mean that's that's hard on the stat sheet easy ones yeah well colin what would you say on the on the social media on the message boards what's been the temperature of the lock mock lock talk mock lock talk uh this week but i'd say piping hot hotter than donut grease yeah it's uh, hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock yes i agree it's uh hotter than a freshly uh, fucked fox in a forest fire Hotter than nuts on a cockroach. Indeed. You know why nuts on a cockroach are hot, Brennan? I really don't. Because they drag the ground. Okay. <laughs> it's friction. Got it. It's a, that's All a right. science joke. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, well, enough of this. Let's get to the interviews. All right. All right. It'll be a lot of fun this weekend. Woo-hoo! M-I-Z. Z-O-U. And it's throwing. Slam. This bugs for you. Missouri. 
This is the Mazzotcast. Joining us now is Joel Wall Jasper from the Columbia Daily Tribune, which for you younger listeners is a archaic form of communication that uh, people over 40 call a newspaper. Thanks. And thanks for joining us, Joe. <laughs> thanks. I've cast my lot with the... Uh the deadest of occupations, so I'm just <laughs> hanging on until it goes under. Yeah, well, you can feel free to join us as, a, as an unpaid intern. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm talking to Joe because, uh, obviously, we had a horrific loss against Kentucky, and uh, we're obviously pessimists, so we're expecting more of the same against South Carolina. But can you talk us off the ledge? Is there a reason to have hope? Um, you know, mm, I think the reason to have hope is – more related to there's going to be a lot more teams of a similar caliber to Kentucky um, and to Missouri, and so there's going to be a bunch of second chances for Missouri. I don't know that there's reason to have a whole lot of hope that their offensive line is going to get better or that their offense in general is going to get a lot better. So I think what you're going to need to cling to, the branch you're going to be hanging on, is that a lot of other teams in this division have their own issues that are perhaps not as bad as Missouri's, but will will make for a lot of close games for Missouri. So if they were to make incremental improvements, that they should have a shot to win a few games. I feel like you really had to reach for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to help you out here. Well, tell us a little bit about um, how Missouri matches up against South Carolina, I guess. I mean, they are a team that's had their own struggles and – you know, I think before the Kentucky game or maybe before even the uh, Arkansas State game, I, I was starting to look at this as a, almost an easy win, but, of course, I don't look at anything as an easy win now. All right. Well, I think they match up fairly well against them. I think Missouri, if you had to say what their strengths is, at least before Kentrell Brothers got hurt, it was their defensive back seven. You know, I think South Carolina's premier player really is Farrell Cooper. I think Missouri has what would amount to almost a shutdown corner in Arion Penton, although they don't really play in a way that they just match him up with one guy. But I think he's been terrific this year in every way except for returning punts, um, which he's not probably not going to do much anymore. So you could foresee them being able to sort of contain Farrell Cooper. They're dealing with a quarterback who's a freshman who could be a little out of sorts in a allegedly hostile environment. I don't know if 11 a.m. at Mizzou is going to be super hostile, but you're facing a good defense, and Nunez hasn't played much. So I think it's a as good a matchup as they're going to have the rest of the year. So I don't think the issue is that it's a bad matchup. The issue is just whether the offense ever gets out of its own way or, or just continues down this path. The, the big big curiosity I've had about the failing offense is the offensive line. Uh, I guess a lot of people have. Uh, partially because they're an experienced group. We have a lot of youth on the team, but not at the offensive line. We're fairly fairly experienced, and, and I mean, it's very similar offensive line to last year, which had its troubles early, mm-hmm. but sort of gelled later. What, can you Do you have any speculation as to why they've struggled so badly this season? I felt like reading between the lines of what A.J. Ricker said, it seemed to be they were pretty dissatisfied with their player, their guards. They've switched it around. I, I think a lot of us sort of wondered why not move. I think you had Tyler, or Connor McGovern, rather, playing left tackle and being a pretty average left tackle where he could have been a really good guard and has been in the past, that you're sort of in the quest to put your best lineman at left tackle. Maybe you're making your offensive line worse because of it. Mm -hmm. I think they're just so concerned about having one of their, a lesser player than him at left tackle that they're they're leaving it that way. But I've been disappointed in them. Uh, I thought going into the year they might even be a team strength, but it's been 
kind of puzzling, but I, I think maybe you've got a you've got a pretty good player in Evan Bame who has not been his best because of an ankle injury, which I think he is getting better. And you got a good player in McGovern who, if he were a guard, I think if you put those two guys together next to each other, at least you would have someplace you could run the ball. And then I think the other three are, have been just sort of guys and have been making enough mistakes that... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The running game has gone nowhere, and that has exacerbated the fact that suddenly now they have to be a team that throws the ball all the time, and you've got a really inefficient quarterback doing the throwing, and bad receivers, or at least young receivers who are inconsistent. Um, I thought the receivers the first half looked great against Kentucky, were making tough catches, but then I think you saw some of their problems crop up in the second half, where even when Matty was making good throws, they were dropping some big ones. You mentioned Evan Bame's injury, and uh, Evan had talked about his feeling better this week. How much of a factor do you think that was? I mean, he's supposed to be one of the, the better centers in the country, or in the, certainly in the conference, and, uh, you know, between him and, and Hansborough being hobbled, I feel like lateral movement is just yeah. gone. I think that was a huge deal. I mean, he wanted to play, and they didn't have anybody else they really wanted to put in there, so fine. But I think he was sort of just, as Pinkle said one time, he was just sort of leaning on people as opposed to really getting after him. I think he, you know, a month out, he probably is feeling better. So that will help. Um, and honestly, like from the research David Morrison did, um, our beat writer after the game, the line was better when they moved Taylor Chapel to right tackle after the injury to Crawford. So it's not out of the question the line will start playing better now. But then you also have the issue with the running backs where I don't think that, and you know, you could probably go back to pre integration Missouri. I don't think you would ever find a second string running back as unproductive as Ishwitter or as bad as Ishwitter. And I don't want to bag on him. That's He is who he is, and he just happened to be in the situation. But the drop-off from number one to number two at running back is so enormous that when the number one guy's hurt, then you've got more problems. That is, It has been surprising how 
unproductive Ish has been. And I, we talked about on our show last week that, I mean, he's essentially a third-string quarterback who's carrying the bulk of the snaps. And the question mark we had was, was why, especially as late as the Kentucky game, he was still taking those short yardage snaps. Uh, yeah. I am, I can't answer that question. The only thought I would have is they just map out this guy's taking four snaps and this guy, and they're not they're not thinking about what the situation might be. There's no earthly reason for him to be in instead of Tyler Hunt on short yardage. Tyler because Hunt. if you look at it, wherever Ishwitter is touched, that's pretty much where he drops to the turf. And so that third and two play, he got hit about one and a half yards, and he fell about one and a half yards. And it's like, okay. At some point, you stop blaming Ishwitter. That's who he is, and then you start blaming the person who's who's having him in the game in those situations. So I think, in a lot of ways, when you get a former walk-on like Tyler Hunt in the coach's mind, he is always a walk-on, and no matter what he does, <laughs> they're in their mind, oh, it's it's cute that he's done this, but we we need our scholarship players to do this. Right. Well, I was just about to ask you about that. I mean, that's the the Twitter buzz. Certainly, people, the fans want to see more Tyler Hunt. And we talked about how fans are often, you know, shoot from the hip and reactionary and don't have all the inside information that the coaches do. But at some point when you see the same process repeat itself, repeat itself, repeat itself, we feel like, you know, the, instead of the coaches being right and the fans being ill-informed, maybe the fans are actually <laughs> right. Sometimes the coaches are too stubborn. Yeah. Um, but I think just watch the games and when Tyler Hunt hits somebody, he tends to fall forward and what else do you need on the, you know, it, it could have killed him in that UConn game. I mean, imagine if they'd have lost at UConn because they handed off to Ishwitter on fourth and goal from the two-yard oh. line. Yeah, nothing came of it. So uh, that's the running game, the offensive line, uh, no answers. The running backs, no answers. Maybe Rush, uh, maybe Russell Hansborough will be healthier. Clearly not he, effective yeah, ever I, at 100% last week. I just think as time goes on, he will be more effective. I don't know if it's going to be as soon as, <laughs> as people want. Um, and I don't know. When I, when I watch him... I don't see a lot of runs where you would say, boy, the old Russell would have done it just because their offensive line is so bad. He had that one play where uh, he sort of reached backwards and stretched for the yeah, first down, yeah. and that was the first productive. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's that's been it. Yeah. So I think you know you have to have at least a, a sort of a hole before you can get any yards, and that's what they're up against. Well, let's talk about the most fun part of Missouri football offense, which is the quarterback situation. Right. Um, and I'll just start out with the obvious question everyone always has. Who would you have as your starting quarterback if you were in Gary Pinkle's shoes? I think if you were to remove history, emotion, feelings from the equation, it would be Drew Locke. Um, just watching a preseason, I thought if you were a, you know, imported from Mars and hadn't watched Missouri football, he was the most impressive. I think what gets in the way is you think, well, Matty Mock has done all this in the past. He didn't have a terrible fall, not enough to lose his job, so we start off with him. Um, and then as the season goes on, well, we're winning games, so we stick with him. Well, he didn't do so terrible against Kentucky to be a cause for someone to lose a, a two-year starter to lose his job. So you keep going down this road where, well, he's never done quite enough to lose his job, but sometimes you can lose track of, but is the other guy better? Which right. you would think maybe would be the key question. If it were me, if, if I I think maybe if it were a coach whose job was on the line, they might come to the same conclusion that just from the eye test, even to a certain extent from the numbers, I do think Drew Locke is a better quarterback. I find it hard to fathom that if, if like, say, Let's just say this whole thing plays out throughout the season the same as it is now, and they were to truly open it up as a 
completely even competition in the spring, like they did that one year with James Franklin and Matty Mock, I think I would be stunned if Drew Locke didn't win the competition. But I just think they're operating almost from a what has Matty done to lose it perspective that maybe they've lost sight of who is our best quarterback. Right. So, and, and I mentioned I'm a pessimist. I look at our schedule. I can see us losing to South Carolina if we just can't put up any points. Florida's defense is so stingy. I look at that as a tough game. Georgia, that looks impossible. What if what if we lost four games in a row? What if, what if like, the, it starts to snowball? Gary Pinkle's a, he's a loyal guy. Some would say stubborn. It, do you see a scenario where Drew Locke, starts football games or do you think Matty he rides mock out hell or high water oh I do I think it, I think you can see a change I think two losses in a row might be the magic number because I do think there's so many it's it's not to the point where these games are unwinnable like I tend to think they're going to win Saturday in Missouri um, and even you can throw in Florida they've got a really good defense but their offense is nothing good you can see Missouri sort of stopping them in a home game and so I I think if they were to lose two in a row... You didn't mention Georgia. What do you think they're going to do? I don't give a prayer beating Georgia. <laughs> Not a prayer. Um, so I, I think that might be the magic number. Okay. Um, I th- you know, he's loyal, he's stubborn, but I think there is also a bit of frustration that he's basically the same quarterback he was two years ago, and you would have hoped that there would be a big jump between year one and year two, but certainly between year two and year three. And I don't know, as I watch him, he's the same guy. It's just he had better receivers in the past. So last question, um, Kentrell Brothers is in the depth chart as questionable this week. Do you have any insight from the coaches this week as to how bad his ankle or knee is? They, Barry Odom said he expects him to play. I don't That sounds wrong to me. I mean, seeing that injury, it looked like your standard high ankle sprain that keeps people out for a month or at least hobbles them for a month. So I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense to stick him back out there if he can't hardly move. I mean, he's not he's really good, but he's not really good if he can't move. Um, and they do have some decent depth there. Clarence Green's played a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, you know, they're saying it, but I don't know that I believe it. Um, and I don't know. I, you know, their defense, I think we maybe got a little carried away with how good Missouri's defense is, too, particularly the front four. Um they played such a poor caliber of non-conference opponent that I think those guys looked a little better than they really are. I think what you saw at Kentucky is maybe more the real Missouri defense. You know, good. Certainly good enough to win you a game, but not a dominant defense. Sure. Um, so I don't know that I would play him, but if they are, I don't know it's going to be super heavy rotation. He was basically playing every play for the first three games. So Yeah, it, getting to the point where we have 22 starters and we might have 22 good ankles. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. Some years, like one year it was always MCLs. This year it's always ankles. It's For some reason, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it. But like that play, it was just pretty freakish. I think anybody's ankle would have caved in on that yeah. situation. It's just luck of the draw. So, Well, thanks for joining us, Joe. I appreciate it. All right, Brandon. Thanks for joining us in our new studio. <laughs> Joining us now is David Kloniger, sports writer for the state from Columbia, South Carolina. Thanks for joining us, David. 
So uh, Missouri and South Carolina are going to play each other uh, this Saturday, and Missouri-South Carolina games have been very interesting the last few years, and this one proves to probably be the same. South Carolina has been uh, in a little bit of a struggle, and David, as I'm sure you're aware, we're in the middle of a bit of a quarterback controversy here in Missouri. Um, What do you know about the uh, mock-lock situation? Well, guys, I tell you, it really came across as a surprise to me uh, the other night when I'm sitting at the house and I've already filed my, you know, got to watch out for Maddie Mock stories. He's about to break out. And then I get a news, uh, you know, release, hey, Maddie Mock's been suspended for the game. So went ahead and had to spike a few stories and rewrite a few more. But uh, it's, uh, you know, kind of a, a strange thing. But I got to say, I admire Gary Pinkle for saying that no one player is above the program. Whatever rule Maddie Mock broke, you know, he's the one that chose to break it. Now he's going to be punished for it. So, um, you know, Drew Locke, uh, read a lot about him. You know, a uh, young gun, high school guy who had a lot of big-time stats. So, really, two true freshman quarterbacks going at each other in Columbia uh, this coming Saturday. It should be a, a real interesting game to watch, especially considering these past two games, uh, the way they've gone. Sure, and you mentioned uh, the freshman status of the quarterbacks. Tell us a little bit about Lorenzo Nunez. The Tigers have not seen him, obviously, and uh, what does he bring to the South Carolina offense? Well, I think he brings a little, a lot of athleticism that maybe they didn't have with Connor Mitch and Perry Orris. Uh, he's a guy that does need to work on throwing the ball. He came from a high school system where he didn't throw that much, and he was more of a running quarterback. Uh, but he looked pretty good after some early hits last week against UCF. He threw the ball well, uh, put it in some tight windows, picked up some big third downs last week in the second half, and that's what they needed him to do. So uh, Nunez is going to get another big test this week by starting on the road, trying to get an SEC win after the Gamecocks has started 0-2, and he's trying to go up against a Missouri team that, you know, uh, started out 3-0 and through some struggles, but then they didn't play that well at Kentucky last week the same Kentucky team that beat South Carolina so Nunez uh, he's got to have some guys step up around him they don't need him to try and do it all himself like he really had to last week but that being said you know if nobody else steps up he may have to do it all by himself and uh, Missouri's defense is a really really tough defense to try to do everything as a quarterback against one of the weapons South Carolina has that uh, Missouri is familiar with of course is Farrell Cooper you mentioned Missouri's defense looks good, but another person besides Matty Mock Missouri is going to be without likely this weekend is Kentrell Brothers, the uh, the star linebacker who uh, had a what looked like a high ankle sprain last weekend. Uh, he's listed as questionable, but given the, given the scope of that injury, a lot of people are, are thinking he might not see the field this week. The Tigers know Farrell Cooper's out there, and they know to look out for him, but do you believe with the loss of Brothers – that uh, he can do some damage to the, this Missouri defense? Well, I tell you, if Kentrell Brothers does not play, that's just going to be a huge relief not seeing him over on the other side of the line. I, I don't know what they do over there in Missouri on defense, but those linemen and those linebackers that they have churned out, you know, Alden Smith and Shane Ray and Michael Sam and now Kentrell Brothers, I mean, I, I don't know how they keep putting them out like that, but if Brothers does not play, that is doubtless going to be a huge advantage for South Carolina. They won't have to worry about him pressuring Nunez into making mistakes. They won't have to worry about him hitting Nunez when he takes off on the run. So that will be a, uh, I don't want to say a hole in the defense, but it will definitely be a big chunk 
of a very strong defense out of the game. Uh, the Gamecocks on offense right now, you know, they're, they've got a couple of playmakers in Nunez and Farrell Cooper, but they're going to be without their top running back in Brandon Wilds. They really need any advantage they can get either from the opposing defense or from some unknown on their offense stepping up to help win this game. You know, the Tigers' offense has also had its fair share of troubles. And when I say troubles, they can't seem to throw, catch, run, or block. But what is South Carolina's defense looking like? Uh, Obviously, we know we're going to have a new quarterback in. Um, The receivers are young, but they're gaining experience. The running game still doesn't have any answers. But uh, what what is the strength of this South Carolina defense? Maybe a weakness. I tell you, Brendan, uh, there's probably not a lot of strengths right now in this South Carolina defense. Honestly, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback against it. If South Carolina doesn't learn how to defend a slant route and take away that short passing game, you know, you or I could be back there throwing uh, quarterback and still throw for 300 yards. Uh, USC has really, really struggled at defending the short routes. Pretty much every team they've played so far, even the nation's worst offense in UCF, picked it apart by throwing short slant routes, getting the ball out of their hands quicker. USC's defensive backs refuse to play up to the line, not even a little bit. They're giving these receivers five to ten yards cushion, and they're getting burned every single time. So if they don't make an adjustment to try to take away some of those comfortable routes to let Drew Locke get comfortable – you know, Missouri could end up really piling on the points this game. South Carolina's defense, it has pitched three second-half shutouts. But, you know, it's really hard to, I guess, glory in that when they're still giving up over six yards of play. So if the Gamecocks don't make a defensive adjustment, I have a feeling Drew Locke's going to be winning SEC freshman of the week. <laughs> well, if Tigers piled up points, it would be the first time all season long. I uh, Although I, I, I'd welcome it, I'm not going to lie. Um <laughs> I was going to ask you, given the, the struggles that South Carolina has had this year, you down there in South Carolina, you guys probably have one of the more colorful or, or more talked about head coaches in the entire SEC conference, with the exception maybe being Nick Saban, with Steve Spurrier. And there's been a lot of talk, certainly around the, the conference, and I don't know what the temperature's like in South Carolina, but, oh, has, has Steve Spurrier lost his fastball? Is it time for him to move on? I know he's also beloved in South Carolina. So what is it what's the, the populace, the, the fan base think about Steve Spurrier and, and what happens if, if the season goes down the drain this in two thousand fifteen? What do you think the consensus attitude is if there is one about uh, Coach Spurrier? Well, Brendan, of course, you know, losing does not bring out fans, especially when you had a thirty three and six run over three years and then you dropped to seven and six and now you're staring at two and two and oh and two in the conference. So the more vocal message board posters are saying that Steve, it's time to go, you know, it's kinda of passed you by and they don't really see a way out of this. What I know from the athletic department, Steve Spurrier is never going to be fired. He's going to be allowed to walk away on his own, and he has earned that right. You know, he's South Carolina's all-time winning as coach, and he did it in far less time than anybody else did. So it is one of those things where it's concerning because you have seen a talent-level drop-off. Uh, Steve Spurrier, never known as a terrific recruiter, uh, has not stocked his staff with other recruiters that he has in, in years past, and they're just not getting the guys that they used to have. They're not winning the games that they did in that 33-6 and three-year run. So uh, Spurrier will be allowed to walk away whenever he wants to. And, you know, whenever I've been asked this question over the last five, six years, I always give the same answer. 
I don't know what it's going to be. I really think he's just going to wake up one morning and say, I don't want to do this anymore. The way this season's going, however, I will say, I think there's a better chance of him walking away after a winning season than a losing season. There's one thing he doesn't want to be known as, and that's a quitter. He doesn't want to walk away looking like he's leaving with his tail between his legs. One last question for you, David, is, you know, Missouri, obviously, it's their fourth season in the in the SEC. They've been kind of an outsider. Uh, some of the programs maybe overlooked the Tigers, uh, certainly the way they stumbled in in 2012. But South Carolina and Missouri, when they've played each other, they've been, like I said earlier, they've been really good games. And uh, certainly on this side, this Columbia, there's a sense that there's almost a small rivalry developing between uh, South Carolina and Missouri because the games have been big ones. Is there any sense in South Carolina that Missouri is a, is a game annually that they need to watch out for or that there's any sort of animosity or, or rivalry blood roiling uh, for this game? Well, I, I think so, Drew, and then a lot of that is because of the with the SEC's guidance, the two schools got together to create this Battle of Columbia with a little trophy, a loving cup, whatever you want to call it, that gets passed hand-to-hand. Now, I'm not sure where Missouri places that trophy when they've won it. All I know is that when South Carolina won it, I never saw the thing until the actual week of the game. So, <laughs> sure. But, you know, considering the way these games have gone, the, you know, the past two games have just been epic. Um, you, you look at it and see, I think there is a rivalry developing there because they're both kind of far-flung outposts from the center of the SEC, and you look at it where each team thinks, you know, that's a game that we really need to win because these other ones aren't going to be very easy. It's not an easy game when you play in Missouri or South Carolina, but it's a game that you definitely can win, and it's one that you can probably say that could be a game that decides bowl eligibility. I think that's where kind of both programs are right now. Obviously, Missouri's probably a little bit past that considering their past two seasons. But, yeah, I I think that there is a little bit of a rivalry developing here because, especially in South Carolina's case, this is their 25th year in the league, and they don't really have any SEC rivals because they haven't been able to beat anybody consistently. The only one they can really say is Georgia, and that's because they were playing Georgia way back in the 80s and 70s as well. So I think it is starting to become a little bit of a rivalry, and that's probably a good thing. Sure. Well, thanks for joining us, David. I appreciate it. It looks like it's going to be another great matchup. It's going to tell us a lot of things about the direction of both of these programs. And so I appreciate you sitting down with us. It's not a problem, Brendan. I'll see you on Saturday. There you have it. The reign of the great Drew Locke begins on Saturday. This has been your Hot Mock Lock Talk for the week. Hot Lock Mock Talk. Go Tigers.